Well, good morning, everyone. I want to say thank you to the worship team for, for leading us. Uh, you know, one of the benefits to having a worship leader uh, as a spouse is I get to listen to all the, so- the new songs before everybody else on repeat. And uh, this is one of those ones, most of them I really like. She just gave me a look. It was okay. I liked it. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Anyways, this is one of my favorite ones out of that pile. There are all, there's some really good ones, and this is one of my favorite ones that, honestly, I then listen to on repeat myself, and I hope it becomes something that speaks to us as a congregation. And so Lauren and the team, thank you for leading us, uh, leading us so well this morning. If I were to ask you the question, this question this morning, what is your purpose? If I were to ask you the question, what is your purpose, how would you respond? You don't have to do it out loud, but how would you respond? Uh, it's a big question, and we could ask this question in a couple different ways. We could, we could ask the question in terms of, like, why are you here? Or what drives us? Or what motivates us to get out of bed in the morning? And the thing about a question of this magnitude is that I don't think we spend a lot of time usually thinking about questions like this. You know, over the past year or so, uh, Michelle and I have uh, developed a bit of a habit on the weekday mornings that at 7 a.m. we sit down and we have a cup of coffee together. Uh, We do this more or less every day for about about 20 to to 30 minutes. We just sit in our chairs, and yes, we have our own chairs. I just realized we have our own chairs now. We are that old now. (laughs) This is my chair, and this is Michelle's chair when it comes to coffee time. And we, we just talk. And those conversations usually aren't super deep. Uh, They usually are about day-to-day things, about the details of the day, uh, about dates on the calendar, about stuff with the kids. It tends to be about the the things that are right in front of us. And you know what? These things are, are important. You know, the dog has to get walked. The kids have to get picked up from school. They really do. They have to get picked up from school. We need to make plans for dinner. But as important as important as these things are, I think we would all agree that these things aren't what life is really all about. These tasks are a part of our lives, but these tasks don't define our purpose. They might be a part of how we live out our purpose, but they are not in and of themselves our purpose. But what can easily happen is that we can get lost in the immediacy of what is right in front of us, of the things that have to get done today, right? And in the busyness of life, our attention can inadvertently turn in on ourselves and we can truthfully end up a little bit self-obsessed. You know, the dates on our calendars, the things on our to-do list, those things begin to steer our lives and begin to call the shots. And the result can be that any sense of purpose we might have really centers on me. But here's the thing. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've been given a purpose. And a purpose that certainly does include the things that are a part of our interests, the things that are on our to-do list, and the things that are our responsibilities, but a purpose that is so much greater than what we often settle for. In fact, it's a purpose that invites us to step outside of ourselves, outside of the, the events of our personal worlds, and to look around and to see that we are invited to be a part of something that's bigger than just us. And so this morning, our big idea is that as followers of Jesus, we have a purpose that gives shape and meaning to our lives. As followers of Jesus, we have a purpose that gives shape and meaning to our lives. Now, by way of a recap, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the letter of 1 Peter. And 1 Peter is written to a group of followers of Jesus who are scattered across five regions in what is now modern-day Turkey. 
And these followers of Jesus are minorities in their communities. They are surrounded by folks who don't know and don't care much about the story of Jesus. In fact, their situation is such that they are facing difficulties because they have chosen to follow in the way of Jesus. To the point that some things that should be relatively normal and easy, like buying groceries or maybe interacting with family, well, those have become more difficult. And so as we've looked at the beginning of 1 Peter, we've heard Peter uh, beginning with words of encouragement and hope. See, he wants these followers of Jesus to to understand that despite their current circumstances, that, that God is with them and that God has something good for them. And from this message of hope, Peter uh, talks about how Jesus has transformed how they can understand themselves. That God has given each one of them, he's given each one of us tremendous value and worth. And because of Jesus, we can live in that reality. And that this gets practiced in our relationships with one another. And so the passage that we're going to look at today sort of forms the conclusion to this opening portion of this letter. And in this verses, the verses that we're going to read, um, it's saying that because of everything that we just talked about, that we can have a purpose that's bigger than ourselves and our immediate circumstances, and that purpose ought to shape how we understand and how we engage life. And so this morning we're, we're going to be reading from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. One of the jobs that I worked in college was working at a shoe store as a, as a salesperson there. And a, and a job like this, being a shoe salesperson, is pretty self-explanatory. My job was to go and approach people in the store and ask them, hey, can I help you? And then try to help them find something that would match what they're looking for. Pretty self-explanatory. Now imagine with me for a moment if, uh, I, if I wasn't a salesperson, but I was just somebody walking around the store. Hadn't been hired to sell shoes, but, inst- but I decided that, you know what I was going to do? I'm going to start walking up to people and saying, hey, can I help you? And try to sell them shoes. Imagine that I did that. That would be a misreading of who I was in that place at that moment, I'm not, because I'm not the salesperson, right? Similarly, I could be a salesperson who, whenever somebody tries to get my attention, can never be found. Again, to act that way would be to ignore who I am in that setting. That I am the salesperson, and what my job is, is I'm supposed to be helping people find shoes, helping them buy shoes. You know, understanding who we are matters because it determines the actions that we're supposed to take in a whole variety of situations. 
And so our first point this morning is to is that we is that we are to de- sorry my first point this morning is that to determine our purpose we need to understand who we are because understanding who we are helps dictate our purpose helps dictate the things that we do. And so in our passage this morning Peter begins with the phrase as you come to him which actually connects us to what Peter has said in the preceding verses when he was encouraging his readers to seek the nourishment of Jesus's life and teachings. See, for Peter, there's a connection between us moving towards Jesus and our ability to understand our identity, that is who we are, and our purpose, and the purpose that God has given us as his people. And so Peter, in these verses, first points us to Jesus and reminds, reminds his readers that, that Jesus was, one of the, was someone that folks looked at, and you know what? People still look at Jesus this way, as if he has no value or bearing on life. And Peter uses a building metaphor. He describes Jesus as a stone that the people building this building had rejected. They looked at it and they set it aside. We don't know what to do with this. We're just going to put it over here, only to find out later that it was, the, it was a critical piece to the whole building. And in saying this, Peter is saying that Jesus is the missing piece that brings stability, brings meaning and, and beauty to life. And so for folks who might be questioning uh, their value and identity, Peter invites us to consider how Jesus might be the basis or the missing piece of how we understand ourselves and what our lives are to be all about. The second thing that Peter talks about in terms of identity here is that he uses language to describe these followers of Jesus that actually points them towards one another. In these verses, Peter calls them a holy priesthood, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Now, each of these, these descriptors, each of these are, are images that are powerful in and of themselves, but taken together, they, they form a key part of who we are, and that we are, who we are is in who we are in relationship and connection to others. That because of Jesus, something new and beautiful and wonderful is emerging because we are together a holy priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. None of these things are things that as an individual we can do alone. One priest does not make a priesthood. One person does not make a nation. But when put with other people, something wonderful emerges, something new emerges. And so if we are followers of Jesus, we discover who we are within the context of our relationships with other followers of Jesus. And when we do this, when we discover who we are and that these relationships, a purpose emerges. And so for those of us who are followers of Jesus, let me ask you this question. Who are your people? Who are the people that are helping you discover who you are and what does it mean to follow Jesus? Do we have a couple of close friends who, who inspire us to follow Jesus? Do we have a small group that is challenging our assumptions, that is, is, is helping us refine our thinking? Do we have people that we get to practice serving with? Who are our people? This week, uh, Pastor Terry and I went to a pastor's retreat, and so we got to spend three hours in a car one way and three hours in the car back. It was a great time. We just talked. We didn't even listen to music. It was just, it was great. And one of the things that we talked about was our house church ministry. And the reason why we talked about this house church ministry is our house church ministry we think is important because these are opportunities for us to discover who we are in our relationships to other, other people. And in discovering who we are in these relationships, we, get, we, are, we believe that we, we learn what our purpose is. You know, what we do in a setting like this is fantastic. 
but this isn't it. In fact, what is better is what we do in smaller, intentional groups. It is better than what we can do in a big group. And so, you know, we are talking about how our house church ministry, and one of the things that we want to see happen over the next, you know, six months to a year is we want to see more house church, church groups emerge. But we need house church leaders. And so this is my little prompt, that if you've ever thought about, you know, wanting to find out more about what does it mean to live, lead a house church or a small group, Pastor Terry would love to chat with you. And let me just say, if you talk with them, it doesn't mean that you're signed up, okay? Okay, you can have a conversation. In fact, it goes both ways, really, because we have questions for you, just like you might have questions for us as we try to determine what a good fit is. But Terry uh, has, a, has a whole lot of experience in this and, and can help you figure out what, does it, what could this look like for you and provide some good resources. And so, you know, as we want to, as a church community, you know, providing these opportunities for us to connect so that we can grow together and we can learn together and we can discover our purpose together is important. And maybe you are somebody who can help us out with this. Now, Peter isn't content with his readers just understanding who they are. In fact, he's pretty keen on them understanding that their identity should translate into lives of purpose. And so our second point this morning is that we live out our purpose when we seek to please God through our attitudes, our responses, and our actions. You know, as Peter talks about who followers of Jesus are, he, he calls them a holy priesthood who offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Now, in the Jewish world, the, the priests were a special class of people who were set aside to facilitate worship in the temple. These were people who enjoyed the privilege of being able to go to God in ways that most ordinary people just could not. And in fact, a part of their role was to bring the sacrifices and worship on behalf of, of, of the people to God. But Peter here says that, you know what, because of Jesus, that Jesus' followers can now function as priests. And what this means is that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can personally approach God ourselves. And the result of this freedom is that we are to offer what Peter calls spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And what he is describing here is not something that we do once a week in a setting like this for an hour, but what he's talking about is, is, the, is a daily part of our lives where we are expressing our love and our commitment to Jesus in a whole variety of settings. You know, we offer spiritual sacrifices when we practice gratitude. We offer spiritual sacrifices when we seek God's input and guidance in the decisions that we make. We offer spiritual sacrifices when we practice patience with our kids when they're driving us nuts. We offer spiritual sacrifices when we choose to do what is just and loving. We, we offer spiritual sacrifices when we give generously to those who have needs. We offer spiritual sacrifices when we refuse to hold a grudge, but we do the hard work of forgiveness. We offer spiritual sacrifices when we work for peace and reconciliation. We offer spiritual sacrifices when we, when we choose to honor those that we disagree with. I hope you can pick up what, what, what this looks like. I mean, this is not an exhaustive list, but it, it takes on, you know, it, it touches on every element of our lives that we can offer spiritual, sac we are to offer spiritual sacrifices in our relationships, in our daily lives, wherever we happen to be. It's a pattern of life that is centered on Jesus where we seek to please him with our attitudes, our responses, and our actions. 
When I was in elementary school, uh, my family didn't have much money, and so much to sh my chagrin, whenever I needed new shoes, and by the way, I didn't realize I had two shoe in illustrations here until just before the service, okay? So it happens sometimes. You're like, oh, okay, here he is, okay. So whenever I needed new shoes, I didn't get the name brand stuff. Instead, my family took us to the neighborhood discount place called Byway. That was, uh, that's where I got my shoes. Some of you are nodding, you're like, yes, <laughs> yes, and that's where I got my shoes, and there was nothing wrong with those shoes, to tell you the truth. They worked, and I was going to grow to them anyways, okay? Now, fast forward a few years, I was out looking for a new pair of running shoes, and the salesperson I was interacting with at this high-end running shoe place brought out this brand of shoe that I recognized as being what I thought was this cheap knockoff thing that I never, I hated wearing as a kid. And I was like, hey, what is that? He showed me the price tag and I was like, and how does it cost that much? And he then talked to me about this shoe and he sort of said, this shoe, this is a good shoe. And he told me why. He explained to me how this was a really good running shoe, and, and then he had me try it on. And I was skeptical. I really was. I tried it on. I'm thinking, I'm wearing the same shoes I was when I was 10, really? And they cost like 50 times more? I don't know. And I tried them on, and I found myself being like, these are good. In fact, if you want a shoe recommendation, I'm not saying the brand out loud now because they're not paying me for this at the moment. I'll give it to you because I've bought four or five of the exact same pair of shoes over the last couple of years because I think they're that good. In a funny way, this is sort of our purpose as followers of Jesus. You know, we follow Jesus among people who are skeptical of Jesus, skeptical of the church, skeptical of Christians. And a part of our role as followers of Jesus is to live in such a way that invites people to set aside their skepticism just for a moment even, and to entertain the possibility that Jesus could be for them. And so our third and our final point this morning is that we live out our purpose when our lives point people to Jesus. In our text today, we see Peter calling, uh, see that Peter calls these followers of Jesus a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. And in using these terms, Peter is pointing back to how God had called his historic people as the nation of Israel to be the way, to be a way that the nations around them would see and discover God's love and God's presence. That was their calling. But now what Peter's doing is he's taking these terms and he applies it to Jesus' followers. He says, this is your purpose now. This is who, what you are supposed to be about. Because as we've experienced God's commitment to us, as we've experienced his mercy and his love, as we've experienced God changing us and changing our circumstances, because we've experienced all of the stuff that God has done in our lives, we aren't supposed to keep that to ourselves. Instead, we are to declare his praises. We are to show off our experience of what God has done for us and what God is continuing to do in our lives, and we are to make that available for other people to see. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, puts it this way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Starting next week, there's a, there's a turn in this letter. Uh, where Peter's going to look at some practical, everyday relationships and how these are opportunities to point other people to Jesus. But this morning I want to talk about something that's a part of our DNA as a church and a part of the, the DNA of the denominational family that we're a part of. Uh, if you were to dig into who we are and our values, you would stumble upon something called simplicity. 
And simplicity is deciding to make do with less so that we have capacity to respond with generosity when needs arise. You know, I think that this practice of simplicity connects with what we've been talking about this morning quite well. Because as we practice simplicity so that we can be more generous, we are offering, offering spiritual sacrifices. And not only that, but this is the type of practice that has the ability to stand out and to point people to Jesus. And we could go in a couple of different directions with the topic of simplicity, but for now we're just going to talk about finances. I know everybody's favorite topic. We're going to talk about finances. You know, the narrative in our culture is that there's nothing wrong with spending our money on whatever makes us happy whenever we want to. Whether it be products or experiences, we should, it's ours. Just do what you want it with. In fact, there seems to be an ideal out there, an ideal lifestyle that we're supposed to be aiming for. Um, and it can be easy for people like you or like me to, be, to spend everything we have and even accumulate debt in the pursuit of this ideal. And that's just considered to be acceptable. That's just the way it is. But simplicity invites us to think differently. Simplicity's approach to money is that it's a resource that has been entrusted to us and that our devotion to Jesus moves us to be looking for opportunities to, to use our resources to advance God's kingdom through responding with generosity. Simplicity invites us to think differently about our use of our finances. And so what this might look like is it might mean that we delay that phone upgrade that we have coming to us because our phone works just fine and instead making sure that that, holding that extra money aside that we're saving now and using that to help a family in need. Or maybe it's canceling one of your streaming subscriptions. We have at least one too many streaming subscriptions in our house. I don't know about you, but we've got at least one too many. And to instead use that so that we can support an organization addressing homelessness in our region. Perhaps that's what it means. Or choosing a less expensive vacation so that we have money available to respond to a need elsewhere. You get the idea. You know, the thing about simplicity is that in a culture of excess, it stands out. It's going to stand out. And not only that, but the corresponding generosity becomes a part of how those who are watching us, and people are watching us, will start to see Jesus. Because simplicity stands out to, stands out as in contrast to what most of us know just to be normal. You know, I started this morning by asking the question, what is your purpose? And then in this passage, Peter is telling his readers that their purpose as followers of Jesus is that their daily lives are to be pleasing to God, and that the way that they go about daily life should point other people to Jesus. And so if we're followers of Jesus looking for purpose in our lives, I would suggest that what Peter says here is for us too. But the thing about purpose is that purpose is something that we have to make our own. We have to internalize it. You know, me telling you or anybody telling you this is your purpose in life doesn't feel very good and it starts to feel like an obligation that we might struggle with. But when we internalize something and we make it our own, it becomes something that, that can move us to get out of bed in the morning. It can be something that inspires us to try new things. It can be something that gives our lives direction and informs how we, the decisions that we make. You know what the thing about purpose is? Is that purpose motivates us when things aren't easy. And so understanding our purpose, it really matters. 
And so as followers of Jesus, we are to live lives of purpose that flow out of our connection to Jesus. And in doing so, it gives our lives meaning beyond the various things that are on our to-do list. It includes our things on our to-do list, but it gives meaning beyond those things. And I'm so happy that as a community, we have an opportunity to explore this purpose together. Please join me as we pray. Lord Jesus, as we reflect on this, I find myself moving to the prayer that you taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord God, this morning we are just so grateful for who you are, for your love, for your grace, for the fact that you go before us and that you guide us. Lord, would you help us to keep that in perspective this week? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, this morning we acknowledge that the ways of your kingdom are different than what we often are used to. And so, Lord, this morning, would you help us to catch a glimpse of what you are doing? Would you help us to catch a glimpse of what you think is important? Lord, there are things around us in our lives and the world around us that seem oh so wrong and oh so broken. And Lord, may our hearts ache when we see these things. Lord, may our hearts ache when we participate in them. Lord, may we be captivated by your view of the kingdom and may that be something that we, we chase after. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, so often we think that we need to make things happen for ourselves. And yet we are reminded that you are the provider. Lord, that you lead us and you provide for our needs. Lord, help us to trust you with that. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God, forgiveness is hard. And Lord, there are people in our lives who have harmed us. Lord, would you help us to learn how to, be, how to forgive? And Lord, would you help us to be open with you to receive your forgiveness? Lord, help us to be shaped by the practice of forgiveness, Lord. And to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, this week we are going to face opportunities and challenges, and Lord, we might be tempted to go in, in directions that don't align with who you are and what you are about and what you desire for us. Lord, would you help us to, to be able to discern what is good, what is honoring, and Lord, to be able to reject what is not. Lord, we want to be people who are shaped by you, who live lives that are of purpose and meaning. That are, and God, this morning, we would just ask that you would shape our understanding of who we are and what we are to be about by Jesus. And Lord, may the words of this prayer guide us. Lord, as we prepare to go from this place, as we prepare to worship and, and then to go into what are lays ahead of us, uh, God, we just thank you. And we look for you, we just ask that you would help us to see you. In your name we pray, amen.